it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number 78, Joe vs. the World, surely the most talked about podcast of the week, maybe. Joining me as usual, the host, question mark, of the Justin Shapiro Show, Mr. Justin Shapiro. Justin, how you doing? I got a lot on my mind. <laughs> You're finally going to hear the truth. <laughs> Were you promising people CM Punk would be on our show on Twitter? One of the biggest names in the industry told me he would be here. Who's that? Um, it doesn't matter because I was lied to. Okay, then. Well, we already got the download, so. Yes. Uh, no, but for reals, player, why? What is even the point of doing a wrestling podcast ever again? <laughs> Wasn't that the peak week, Mr. Podcast Reviews? It's, uh, it's been quite a couple, uh, seven days or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Bring up the rear. <laughs> I like to think these are momentous enough to make some headway. That's right. Um, it's remember what Vince just said on a famed podcast broadcast. I mean, uh, I was watching it with my eyes, and there was no pod involved, but still, he said, special attractions, got to keep them rare, got to keep them. I mean, remember Jake and his snake? So. <laughs> that seemed a faulty analogy to me, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, now, you actually give out yourself... The uh, best of the week criteria. What in your eyes do we have to do to hit (laughs) the number one recommended listen of the last seven days? Well, I don't. I don't judge. I would never judge my own podcast uh, in there. That's just not fair. Only those uh, the more famous ones with wrestlers and uh, people in the industry are the ones I cover, and the occasional one that catches my eye outside the the realm. But yeah, that's it. So. Still, clearly this will be the best. Yep. You've been waiting, America, Europe, Asia, <laughs> Canada, Mexico, Central America, South America, Antarctica? That's all of them, right? No, I don't think so. It's a place, but I don't think so. Australia? And Probably. That's all of them. Okay, that's everything. All right, we're getting back to uh, 1996, and to recap where we left off, Sean had just won the world title at WrestleMania. Sean who? Sean Michaels. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we knew uh, Diesel and Razor were on their way to WCW, and uh, Brett was gone for the time being, although everyone assumed he was back. He actually worked the Germany tour right after Mania, but the impression on television was that he just drove home after Mania and uh, gave an interview on TV, said some wrestling companies were throwing around a lot of money, but he didn't want to go there. But he wasn't sure he wanted to come back. And uh, the fact he was talking about it seemed a good indication he was coming back. So, what were you thinking as you uh, as you watched all this? Did you assume he would be back, or uh, did you uh, think that was the end? Mm, I was. I mean, I hadn't even really connected all the dots on why the Ultimate Warrior came and went at that point. So, <laughs> I wasn't really looking ahead to like Brett's future on Lonesome Duff and things like that. <laughs> I certainly built for a rematch, the finish of that Ironman match. There was uh, one of the ideas tossed around was a ladder match between him and Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam, but Shawn would win that, so that was not going to fly. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, it's yeah, Brett had not had a, any kind of prolonged break from uh, the WWF, so it was really it was odd to uh, to not have him around. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, I mean, you looking at these um, historical transitions of power and. They tend not to go well when the guy who had been just there is 
sitting over Vince's shoulder so he can be like, man, maybe those were the good times. Maybe we need to go back to that. So, to the juggernaut, a.k.a. the big dog, I just say, tread lightly. The champ is always here. He is indeed. All right, we're getting into April. The day after WrestleMania Raw, not quite what it is today, but we got some important debuts, namely that of Mankind, who kicked off the show. He defeated Bob Holly with the Mandible Claw, which was just sticking his fingers down Bob's throat, making him spit up Alka-Seltzer. About five people chanted, he's hardcore. Uh, Vince Bob suggested- Holly? <laughs> Prophecy? <laughs> no, <a> good- <laughs> Those fans can see the future. <laughs> Uh, Vince suggested Mankind should go handle the Montana Freeman situation, which, A, I had to look up to figure out what that was, and B, it likely would have turned out poorly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> more noteworthy, during a JBL Undertaker match, Mankind attacked and laid out the Undertaker with his elbow drop from the apron. Although, oddly enough, they would not meet in the ring for about three months. I don't know if it's a legendary feud. It's certainly noteworthy in the history of the company, and ah, oh, they held off that long. But, uh... Did you have a high hope seeing Mankind push into a feud with The Undertaker right away? Or I mean, we had seen guys like the Berserker and Kama and Giant Gonzalez go down the similar path, and it didn't mean a whole lot in the end. You know, I certainly knew Cactus Jack and his distinctive voice, even if he was now wearing a mask and living in, a, I guess, a dungeon with a pet rat. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the personable Mick Foley like, three-dimensional side he showed in some of his ECW promos is not something I knew, but the deranged Cactus Jack, who, like, came out of boxes to try and murder Sting, made him a natural adversary for The Undertaker, as I think it's pronounced, but it wasn't until he, like, started beating The Undertaker that I took uh, notice. Spoilers! Uh, Sean and Diesel was booked as the main event of the next In Your House Uh, built it off Diesel turning on Sean during the tag at uh, Madison Square Garden that happened before Wrestlemania which makes sense since Diesel lost the semi-main event at Wrestlemania and it would have made zero sense for him to get the shot Uh, Sean beat Jerry Lawler in a Raw match afterwards challenged Diesel to come to the ring and Mr. Perfect threw the title of Diesel knocked Sean out and the the perfect thing kind of got followed up on later but uh, yep that was our logical direction for the um final run of uh, Mr. Diesel. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, they were pretty good friends. <laughs> but as enemies, superior. <laughs> Are you surprised that's never made any kind of a, a comeback? That was one of those one and done in your houses. Yes. Uh, good friends, better enemies. Ground zero Who for failed options. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Um... Anything uh, could have been in, in your International House of Pancakes. It's, that's coming up, I know. But yeah, good friends, better enemies. That's, I'm sure, applied to future In Your House main events. <laughs> that's probably most feuds these days. Yeah, that's right. Any shield? Yes. Certain? Absolutely. Who do you uh, think, though, is um, good enemies, better friends? Oh... That's not as scintillating a uh, <laughs> pay-per-view title, I have to say. Yeah. I think that's like Jeff and Matt Hardy, right? They weren't even good enemies. Probably, yeah. They were bad enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Ties in a lot. Note from Dave Meltzer. Uh, WF Raw Magazine had an article ripping WCW written by Vince Russo. Basic childish writing with nothing of substance. <laughs> 
Uh, we get the, the inner guiding force of our next eight shows. <laughs> our next eight years of podcasts. You know what? How many months of ninety? We got half of ninety six in one year. I think that means we're going backwards, my friend. This <laughs> race. Uh, at some point, we'll loop around to when I was born and covering like the twenty nineteen uh, quantum leap stuff. Going right. On yes. We got the in-ring debut of the wild man, Mark Merrow. He pointed at his eyes because he's crazy. <laughs> During his debut match with Isaac Yankum, we saw Sable in the crowd, and uh, Triple H appeared, tried to win her back, but she slapped him, went off with Mr. Merrow. One of the two would become a huge star during the Attitude Era. And uh, I know Jim Cornette raised the interesting point that Merrow had only literally been Johnny B. Bad in his wrestling career, but now we had to figure out how to be something completely different on a pretty big stage with a pretty big push. Mm-hmm. Stopped wearing um, mascara, <laughs> and he did somersaults. I guess he always did somersaults, but now they were wild. He did not have a confetti gun anymore, sadly. <laughs> a bad blaster? <laughs> yep. Although, if it was used on me, I'd probably be pretty shy about uh, <laughs> uh If I get shot in the face with it, I might not be. Uh, I might just dump it. <laughs> All right, speaking of the Ultimate Warrior... He was cutting a return promo on Raw with the usual gibberish. Goldust came out, and it was just announced they were having a match. Warrior called him a freak and said, What it is, and whatever you're into, I don't give a shit. Shit being bleeped, of course, and added, I got a full-length movie for you, me kicking your ass from beginning to end. Uh-huh. It was just so strange. Really not a full-length movie. <laughs> it's a short film at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, seeing the Warrior in 96 was just so strange. Like, it was... Less strange to see him in WCW, because he still had a lot of his old contemporaries there from his, uh, <laughs> his heyday. It was just, ah, just so weird. I mean, he was very popular and, and all that, but just weird. Mm-hmm. He, uh, well, blinking it's over, so. No, that's true. He will He will survive the end of this podcast. His no. fabled feuds. Like, over the New Warrior DVD, does it even have anything? I guess... Just out of sheer necessity, they have to include stuff from this run and the WCW run just to fill out the DVD. But, like, Warrior and Lawler, <laughs> Barnburner, I wonder who won. <laughs> we'll get to that, don't you worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a hotline tease that asked, What do the British Bulldog and Magic Johnson have in common? <laughs> do you care to hazard a guess? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Let's see. <laughs> They both um My attorney is advising me not to comment. <laughs> they both had recent altercations with referees. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly worth calling the hotline for. Yeah. Uh, Yokozuna and Vader had a pretty spirited match on the uh April fifteenth Raw. That ended when Vader Vader bombed Yoko's leg and the ref stopped the match. Uh, Yoko had to be carried backstage on a forklift, hopefully the same one Daniel Bryan drove. <laughs> Vader attacked Yoko again backstage, but he did a crappy job because Yoko was only gone a month. I, I kind of thought that was close to the end of him, but he was back for the uh, May in your house, and he was sent away to lose weight, and he said he lost 33 pounds, but, I mean, you really can't tell, so... Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, he has to fall off those ropes to usher in the Austin era. So. <laughs> That's true. That was his last big thing. Mm-hmm. As for Vader, he debuted the Vader Salt on the April 22nd Raw. Notable because he was supposed to win with the Vader Bomb, but the fans were chanting for the Moonsault. He obliged. And in post-production, they actually teased it at the beginning of the show with 
Jerry Lawless saying Vader's got a big surprise. So that's what happens when you're not live. Mm. Thank God he practiced those uh, moonsaults in that barn in my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> I think we established it was Naughty Barn <laughs> on the previous show. Very sad. Uh. Savio Vega wanted a rematch from Steve Austin, who said no. But Austin did accept the match against the masked Caribbean Kid on the April 13th Superstars, who also happened to have Savio's music. Hmm. Interestingly, Mr. Perfect just straight out said it was Savio, but Vince and Jim Ross were a bit more coy. It was actually a two-segment match, so something was clearly up. And um, the Caribbean Kid won with a small package, and that was Stone Cold's first televised loss. Savio, good work. <laughs> Man, it was a hellacious match, just to tell you. Uh, but, uh, yes. Uh, he knew it was a crappy gimmick. He was just a uh, mechanic. But, you know, he got the foot in the door, and the rest is history. Caribbean Kid, uh, is it just a Quang palette swap? <laughs> yeah, I don't think. I don't think. I think it was more uh, Caribbean. <laughs> Actually, I'll have to go back. I don't think. He just painted up his Quang mask. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I haven't thought about that. Mm. This is where we need the network production people to put up still photos behind our conversation. <laughs> Helpful. See, that's what, that's that's why these podcasts just aren't the uh, clearly not the way with the future. Mm-mm. They don't have pictures. Nope. All right. Uh, Goldust. Speaking of Savio, Goldust defended the IC belt against Savio on the April fifteenth Raw. Match was going along until Earl Hebner got bumped and Goldust grabbed the belt. He tried to use it, but Savio got the belt, bonked Mr. Dust, covered. Earl counted the one, two, three, new champ, right? But wait, Tim White was at ringside helping Earl, saw Savio use the belt, so he declared Goldust the winner. Gorilla Monsoon came out, declared the belt was held up, pending a rematch the next week. The next week, actually about ten minutes later, Marlena distracted the ref while Savio had a pin, which allowed Steve Austin to bonk Savio with the belt. Goldust gets the win and his second reign. Not too sure what the overall point was. Both guys were involved in different feuds, but uh, we just ended up back where we started. But, no, something had to happen, I guess. Whatever I said after the same shit with Jeff Jarrett and Bob Holly, drop that in right here. <laughs> there you go. That was not... Uh, oh, here we go. On the April 27th Superstars... 427. <laughs> Owen Hart and Fatou were having a match, and two men were watching from the aisle. On the May 6th Raw, they were back... And after Fatu lost the match to the Bulldog, he met them in the aisle. Fatu said they weren't his family anymore. The fans were. These were uh, Samu and the wrestler who had later become Rosie. The story was going to be they were gang members and unhappy that Fatu turned back on that life. They made another appearance on the May 25th Superstars, but they were never mentioned by the announcers. The camera would pan to them, and nothing was said. Because, you know, you, you folks see what's going on. They, uh, they did work some house shows in May as Sammy Slick and Night Train, the Gangsters in Paradise, and then had a short run in ECW. And, uh, given what Fatu did later that year, maybe he should have taken their advice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of people know this. It's just an urban legend that the uh, those Simones were actually a young Shane and Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> I had written this was like the New Day, where we got that minor tease of them and then nothing ever happened, but that <laughs> but they actually debuted. We had four months to get it in. <laughs> oh, well. Slow. Mm-hmm. Okay, proceeding. Here's a uh, quote from Dave Meltzer. Lots of things went on when you pack two dozen wrestlers and keep them together for a 17-day tour, as you can imagine. Diesel and Ramon were flagrantly breaking every company rule <laughs> they could in full view of everyone. There's tremendous heat on Michaels and Helmsley in particular. Apparently... 
there were guys who actually wanted to deck Michaels but had to be talked out of it because with Michaels' position, it would cost them their job. Sunny left the tour early because she was ripped to death, including someone taking a dump in her food at one point. Apparently, Chris Candido, who didn't leave early, was also being teased and harassed to death by the big boys who acted like school children. There's some sort of romantic triangle, which would be nobody's business, except when Sonny had to leave the tour. It becomes business and not personal. Sonny has a lot of heat, because, since she isn't shy about giving her opinion in a business where most won't say anything except behind people's backs. Supposedly, Bret Hart was fed up with what happened, and it made him feel even more strongly than he did before the tour. Uh, even though the consensus still is, he'll be coming back in about five months, so... Think about these damn millennials weren't around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stepping... They're afraid to <laughs> piss people off. It's terrible. Yeah, disgusting. And yet, this stuff is romanticized. Is like that's when the boys were the boys. Yep, when they got a six pack of beer and drank it on the road for their six hour drive to Shreveport. Brass Good ring days. grabbers. Brass ring man, got that brass ring. I'm a brass man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy got not a millennial, so one would just say. <laughs> Uh, what what is a millennial, by the way? What what is the time? Do you have to be born after 1990? Is that it? Uh, or born after uh, 2000? In which case? Yeah, that um, wouldn't necessarily. I think they are post Generation X, or is Generation Y in between? Huh. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Sid was the millennial man in WCW. <laughs> well, you know. I wonder if those complaints could certainly apply. To you. <laughs> uh, there you go. Man, it would take uh, some truly unlikely chain of events if we end up discussing Sid on this mm, episode. It would, because he didn't show up till Oh, next shit. July. I forgot we were quarterly and not on trimesters. Yes. Uh, there was not a lot of build for the pay-per-view. They, they didn't go with any matches that they were, were building. There was nothing with Austin, Savio, Undertaker, Mankind, or... Bulldog Ahmed, because uh, Bulldog had an arm wrestling contest with Ahmed and attacked him afterward. It was mostly a matter of, hey, you're fighting this guy. The British Bulldog attacked Jake in Germany during his match with Owen Hart, so we had that match. Vader was announced as fighting Razor Ramon, who just magically returned, and Jim Cornette cut a promo saying things like, Razor has made some very bad career choices, and after the match, Razor Ramon may cease to exist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> say goodbye to the bad guy? Yep. Uh, and there was a tag title rematch between the Godwins and the Body Donnas, and the Body Donnas slopped Phineas, which I guess was supposed to bother him. And um, worth noting, Brian Pillman had his car wreck that basically destroyed his career, but more on him in a bit. Yeah. Okay, in your house seven, good friends, better enemies. Uh, live from Omaha, the pre-show kicked off with the one, two, three kid and Mark Merrow. They had a pretty sloppy match. Triple H wandered down and sort of stalked Stable outside the ring, which distracted Mero. Damn those distraction finishes. Well, that wasn't a finish. Did allow the kid to drop kick him in the face. Uh, Helmsley got kicked out. Match resumes. Helmsley just comes back out anyway for the DQ. And pedigrees Mark Mero. And the main thing of note is Jerry Lawler was on a real kick about how ugly Stable was and how Triple H should dump her. A tune he would change rather strongly in about two years. Uh, the show was supposed to open with the Bulldog versus Jake the Snake. The Bulldog comes out with Owen, Cornette, and Clarence Mason. They have a piece of paper, which I guess is a writ of some kind banning the snake. I don't know why. They never tell us, and the announcers only surmise. So Jake takes the snake back, comes out with Ahmed, and suddenly it's a tag match. So they have this match. Jake is just getting killed. 
finally makes a tag to Ahmed, who hits two moves and tags back out. So, good job. Weird ending as the bulldog whacks Jake in the leg with a racket and applies a single leg prayer for the submission. And uh, the booking of Ahmed was weird at this time, where he was, uh, he started out hot and then got put in positions to maybe not get pinned, but to be laid out or on the losing side. So it was kind of right back in, especially given how Ryback has made his career renaissance <laughs> magically the last couple weeks. Mm, very much so. That was the analogy I was going to bring up. Mm. It was Again, that was one that would have been perfect, but Ryback started winning since uh, <laughs> after I made that joke. So I'm getting killed by the, uh, by the booking here. Well, <laughs> we have a... Give it a week, see what happens. <laughs> That's true. Okay, oh, the Ultimate Warrior versus Goldust. Now, um... Goldust had a hurt leg. It was day-to-day. It was no shape to wrestle. So they did a skit on the pre-show where he blew glitter in the warrior's face. The story was where you're chased on Goldust's leg. <laughs> glitter blizzard. Uh, Goldust also had a new bodyguard, the former Mantar in a suit, who was never named nor seen again after this. All right, here's the play-by-play. Uh, Goldust stalls outside. He hides behind Marlena and they back up the aisle way. Warrior starts to pursue, stops and picks up Marlena's dropped cigar, which is on the floor, and starts smoking it, which is kind of pretty gross. Uh, Warrior brings in Marlena's director's chair, which just enormously upsets the heels. So Warrior grabs Goldust's robe, puts it on the chair, sits down, keeps smoking. Goldust gets on the mic, threatens to kiss the audience if they don't shut up. Goldust gets in the ring and sits in the chair, holds out his hand like he wants the Warrior to kiss it. Warrior puts out the cigar in Goldust's hand, clotheslines him out of the chair. Goldust runs away for the countdown. And that's it. And Warrior beat up the bodyguard afterwards. This amazingly did not win the worst match of the year. That was the um, Triple Cage of Doom from Uncensored 96. Although, I don't even think this is the most terrible match we're going to talk about on this show. But more on that. Uh, sure. Was it on the Warrior DVD? (laughs) I don't think so. The only thing I could... Definitely the WrestleMania return match should be there. And, uh... Maybe the Lawler match. I think he didn't have a lot of matches on TV, so nothing, nothing of note. Well, uh, no, like uh, Vader, no finish match on TV. I don't think. I mean, unless they were, they had some house show stuff. Yeah, I'm just fishing to fill. Uh, make me say something before you say the next thing you have. I have no content. <laughs> Okay, uh, moving on. Vader beats Scott Hall in a match a lot more competitive than you would expect. Razor got the kick out of a choke slam and Vader bomb, and he got to give Vader a suplex and electric chair drop. Vince even said, I bet people are surprised Razor is going toe-to-toe with Vader. And uh, Dave Meltzer guessed the philosophy. Was it WCW would go out of their way to bury people when they're leaving and uh, go after them even after they left in the case of Johnny B. Bad? So let's not be like them. And uh, Razor eventually won. By backdropping out of the razor's edge, sitting on Ramon for the win. And uh, that was it for the bad guy, at least as far as televised appearances. More or less, that was a good match. Could have made WrestleMania less mediocre, but Razor Ramon was a suspended. He was a suspended, and uh, would have been with Goldust, I presume, give the direction they had gone. This is true. I'm wielding the great hands of fate to make that amendment. Okay. Moving on, the... But, bio- yeah. But, yeah. This could have just been a Where the Big Boys Play commercial. <laughs> In reverse. Uh-huh. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Vader ever met up with a diamond stud in, uh, in WCW, so... Unlikely. 
the body done is the god. Oh, that was Abdullah. Weren't they in that chamber of horrors? But no, that was Abdullah. They were. Yeah, I think they were all in that match together, but on the same team, I would say. Mm. Okay. I don't think Razor was electrocuted. So. <laughs> uh, moving along, the Bidons beat the Godwins with the old switcheroo, which didn't work earlier, but later did, and this was lame. And I don't want to hear anyone complain about the state of tag teams today. This was uh, legit the worst. And interestingly, this was scheduled to go 18 minutes. But uh, Warrior and Goldust ran long, which is kind of amazing. Anything. And we- weirdly enough, since that match went long, Vader and Ramon had to go long since they felt they needed a good match at that point. So, probably worked out for the best overall. I guess. Depth. <laughs> is this the worst year ever for it? The only matches that are good are like accidents. <laughs> Do you mean as far as tag team wrestling? or uh... Just across the board. No. We've got Sean's main events, and then good luck. Random, random stuff here or there, but uh, this I think this was the worst point for uh, for tag teams because they had like they had four of them. Yeah, they were all terrible. <laughs> they weren't terrible, but all the stuff. There's so many. There's a lot of lame angles and the you know a lot of lame teams. Yeah, a lot of who thought they were like seventy yes. idols, which uh-huh. Marty never did, which is kind of weird that he suddenly did. Yep. Um, Baby, bodybuilders. I guess, or they were somewhat like bodybuilders. They're just face fitness competitors, well. which they just they just kind of dropped. They were just dudes now. Yep. Once they turned face, um, Godwins are just horrendous. Yep. Team and gimmick and uh, smoking guns, especially post heel turn, were just and that I mean that's really it. But um, yeah, I think this was the the nadir of tag team wrestling for the the company. I don't want to hear about you know. You can say oh last decade. Um, 15 years, they haven't cared. Well, this is, this is worse, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They have, like, some, some talented teams now who just get no push, generally. Yeah, they have. I mean, even when people complained about, like, the Usos and Wyeth just having endless matches, they said were good and they were interesting. Right. Maybe somewhat repetitive, but... Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I suppose the Headbangers era was a little worse, but um, generally, in a little bit, we're just going to drop the belts on uh, Owen and Davey and then forget about it for a while. So Yeah, they were good for a while. So Headbangers won't be for a... Uh, when they have the titles, like 90, it must have been 97. Yeah. For a brief for a brief stint. All right. Uh, main event, Diesel versus Sean. No holes barred. Great match. It worked a lot better than their WrestleMania match. Just with Diesel being so much bigger, you would just naturally root for the smaller guy getting his ass kicked. Yep. Diesel was the first one to go for weapons, which I thought storyline wise was brilliant because it made him look like an even bigger jerk since he's <laughs> bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a famous spot where Diesel powerbombed Sean on the announce table. And if you wonder why they always clear the monitors off first, when Sean went straight through the table, the table made like a V and the monitors sprung up and landed right on poor Sean. Ooh. Ooh. Randy Orton sort of did that at WrestleMania with their super RKO uh, tag team. Mm. That's right. Not quite the same geometry, but it was still like, of all the people, that probably hurt him the worst. <laughs> uh, Sean made a comeback with a fire extinguisher, but sends Diesel outside before before the super kick. And Mad Dog, was, Mad Dog with Sean was at ringside. They casually mentioned earlier, noted his career had been ended by an auto accident. So Diesel grabs Sean, rips off his artificial leg, tries to use it as a weapon. Is that is that better than a chair? I, I can't say I've wielded an artificial leg in a... A weapon-like capacity, but uh, I guess so. But Sean low blows Diesel, same as Diesel did earlier. Hits him with the hits him with the leg, then his foot for the super kick for the pin. 
and uh, super stuff. It was a, a, a one-man leg in an ass-kicking contest. <laughs> if I was making a highly repetitive documentary using the same clips over and over again, I'd be like, 1996, Ted Turner's Money, A New Dawn, A New Direction, Jerry Springer, Brawling, Hardcore Wrestling, A Shot of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> anyway, so here you go. Now, I suppose uh, Brett also took that table bump at Los Survivor Series, but this was a whole full-on brawl. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... That wasn't the end. That was just a table at ringside, I want right. to say. Right, so. yeah. But yes, that was... Um, uh, I don't know, uh, First table... Uh, that stuff's always hard to say, because someone's like, no, 1973, someone <laughs> went through a... You know... Yes. Baron Michael Cicluna went through a table fighting... Uh, Chief J. Strongbow, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to... But that was probably the first notable one of note in the extreme era, as they say. Bruno gave Captain Lou, like, a slow-motion <laughs> body slam. <laughs> He's hardcore. <laughs> On Um, yeah. What was so, that? Oh, yeah, I think this match uh, lends into my course correction theory of uh, the 95 show, where I said, uh, um... Diesel should have stayed heel and beaten up Sean after WrestleMania 11 instead of Sid, and then have Diesel be, like, the cool monster heel he was for that year, and then, I don't know. I had some kind of point at the time, but yeah. <laughs> so this match is a definite uh, watch on the network. Uh, that's part of your homework there. All right, on to uh, the next month on the... Pay-per-view the night before, there was a skit where Davy Boy Smith was backstage trying to get into Shawn Michaels' dressing room. We found out why the next night, Davy Boy and his wife Diana asserted that Shawn made a pass at her, which led to Shawn's classic line, Do not flatter yourself. <laughs> it's Davy Boy Smith got into a fight, and bam, instant main event, and uh, welcome to life after Razor and Diesel. We got a lengthy skit the next week from a woman who was filmed in the dark saying her husband was a wrestler and went into detail about how Sean seduced her. And her husband was so distracted that he lost the match to Sean. And uh, Mario Gennetti also piped in and said Sean always went after the married ladies. <laughs> we later saw Bulldog attack Sean on the beach and throw him into the Persian Gulf when they were on tour in the uh, <laughs> overseas. So, uh, so was he was the real Laker. No, it was an ocean, but still, go with me. <laughs> Magic Johnson? Right. <laughs> who was that Laker who didn't want to get uh, all them AIDS from Magic Johnson when he did it short? Was it Dick Van Exel? Did I Sabalos? It wasn't Vladdy. <laughs> I don't remember my uh, old school Lakers, sorry. Uh, uh, Savio Vega was doing commentary for... Uh, a hot Steve Austin Scott Taylor match, and afterwards got on the mic, challenged Austin to a strap Steve match. Hot Taylor <laughs> challenged him to a strap match, which Austin declined. So Savio decided to just whip him anyway. Uh, Austin would accept the challenge, but with the caveat that if uh, Savio lost, he would have to become DiBiase's limo driver. It was not specified for how long, uh, forever, but one assumes. Although. Um, is uh, Bree still Nikki Irvin <laughs> forever? Has that been... Uh, it's actually made them closer than ever. Is Now, are they still together? Has that been addressed? Them? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, again, we're at a 
one point in time. I think they're like Brett and Owen. The holidays brought them back together, but there may be January could bring trouble. That's just it's. Uh, you think you'd have a little bit of a explanation for that, or some animus? Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Meh. What were those uh, main events they were doing in August? <laughs> <laughs> Who's more important on TV right now than Brie Bell and Nikki Bella and Stephanie Marie McMahon, Helms of the Vec? There you go. Anywho. Uh, Goldust has just announced as having a casket match with The Undertaker, so Grill Monsoon's had some problem with Goldust. Uh, Goldust tried to put the moves on Paul Bear during an Undertaker-Owen match, but Bear ran away and came back with a gold-plated casket. And the next week, The Undertaker cut a promo while lying in the casket like an idiot, so of course, he <laughs> attacks him, locks him in, and hits it with chairs. So, uh, there you go. And he probably said, like, hurry, re, re, which is was his catchphrase. Around there. That's the video game that came out in 98 was great because it had wrestler <laughs> vocal samples, and uh, you could hear all of mankind's great squeals. Yeah. Now, what's the YouTube URL of... Uh show where you covered that video game? Uh, I think it's youtube.com slash Mike and Tom present. V equals HR 729LLL. Watch question mark. .htm. Okay. And what is the number, time, minute, second to get to that specific part? Time stamp? Time stamp is three minutes, four seconds. Excellent. Sure. Uh, they did a big Kuwait tour around this time when they drew 20000 a night for five straight nights. It's notable for a few things. Uh, Ahmed Johnson won the Kuwait Cup, beating Helmsley. And that this was talked about repeatedly on TV as if it was a thing. Brett worked uh, these shows again, so he was still kind of around. But this was not the tour where Vader got in trouble. That was a year later. Okay. We were uh, getting ads for Warrior University, the Storm Wrestling Academy of its day. Uh, I love how they made it sound like it was an actual campus he would like go to, and uh, poor Dave Meltzer had to literally choke back bile as Warrior talked about not taking shortcuts and doing things the right way. Yeah, he lettered in uh, distrustity, I guess. <laughs> that was something. That was <laughs> distrustity. I never really. Uh, that was always like a running joke, and I never kind of knew what it was, and I kind of still don't. Like, he mentioned it on TV. I guess it was one of his core concepts. Sure. <laughs> I don't. Well, I mean, come on. This is uh, beyond even the satirical jokes of uh, bemused individuals when you're talking about Ultimate Warrior, especially at this point. I guess we have to talk about the curtain call. Do you know? The, uh, <laughs> do you know the exact date it took place? And I'll give you a hint. Don't say it out loud if you do know it. <laughs> I can't. A certain day in May. It all ties together, doesn't it? Oh, my God, where it all began. <laughs> Again. And that <laughs> demon curse plagued the dentist. <laughs> Sucked him into a portal. <laughs> this was the uh, second straight sellout at uh, MSG, and was supposed to be, uh, the big news was supposed to be the Godwins winning the tag belts from the Bajadonas. Huge. <laughs> but, as luck would have it, it was Deezer and Razel's finer, final appearances with the company. Razor lost to Triple H, tried to get on the mic afterwards, but was cut off. And in the main event, Sean beat Diesel in a cage match by laying him out with a super kick and walking out. Then he returned to the ring and kissed Diesel, who magically recovered. Triple H and Razor came out, and all four hugged and said goodbye. Now, the kid wasn't there, since he was 
since he had uh, shown up at the April 30th Superstars taping in no condition to perform. Dave Meltzer stated this was supposedly the final. Dis- uh, supposedly, this final display was not approved by WWF officials, but it got over great with the audience, so little will probably result from it. However, there were other wrestlers who were very unhappy at what they considered a kayfabe violation. Someone actually got this on film, which is um, funny because if they tried this today, a million people would have it on their camera <laughs> phones. But in reality, no one would even really care. So, yeah, who gives a shit about the time that other? Uh I mean, he probably wasn't Kuwaiti, but what a coincidence. Guy uh, low-blowed Randy Orton on that <laughs> Wait, what guy low-blowed Randy Orton? Um, remember last August when I think it was some, uh, God, technically a professional wrestler from that country they were touring in, like hopped the rail and, and low-blowed Randy Orton when he was doing the Randy pose on the turnbuckle? <laughs> I missed this. Yeah. <laughs> That guy's my hero. <laughs> so he just hopped the rail and punched Randy Orton in the nads, is what you're telling me. It was like a China form <laughs> to Randy when he was doing the, uh... Yes, the arm. Hey, hey, something I can say on the thing. And, uh, why did you bring this up? I don't know, because there was, like, really accurate fan footage. Okay, there's all, yeah, like, you know... Cody does a moonsault off the cage the day after Christmas. We see that on tape, you know. Mm-hmm. Cesaro's dark match when he first showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, showed up on someone's... Like, you know, stuff always shows up on people's phones. It's just funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes, Joe, I think as a culture, it's like we're watching the whole world through that screen on our phone. <laughs> mm. Ugh. <laughs> Millennials. Uh, it's like you're driving and you're so uh, preoccupied with the bug on the windshield that you're missing the whole freeway in front of you, a.k.a. life. I buy that. Anyway. So, I want to get back to the guy. Second screen experience. Factor, Andy. Wait, what, so what happened to the guy? Did Randy go after him or um, was he like out of my he balls? He was... <laughs> Ray Kali, R.I.P. Um... Let's look it up. August 2013. Why did Firefox change its Google search? Uh, Orton attacked. <laughs> um, Randy Orton. Oh, Cape Town. Yeah. Anything goes there, brother. I've been to Cape Town. I shook the Cape down. Randy was attacked violently by an audience member during a SmackDown TM World Tour TM live event TM in Cape Town, South Africa, reserved our Tuesday evening. Footage of the attack was captured by a fan and posted to YouTube. That URL is V equals question mark L M T R S seven six. Um, God, I love WWE.com's editorial voice. The video shows the perpetrator striking the Viper from behind. (laughs) Burton suffered an injured groin in the attack, but is well enough to have performed subsequent nights. The matter is under investigation by local authorities, and the South African fan is being held in jail pending criminal charges. (laughs) Too bad that same Generalissimo (laughs) had... Jericho uh, <laughs> run out of Brazil wasn't on the case. <laughs> oh man, was this guy like? Yeah. Was this guy tr- 
Did this guy think he would like get a spot in the company? I cause... think so. It's like they'll have to <laughs> run with it. <laughs> We're living in the reality era. Was Teddy Long still the GM? He could have added him to the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, well, uh, Randy was uh, just about to ruin Daniel Bryan's SummerSlam, so that guy should have, like, saved his run-in. <laughs> That's he true. Have changed history. Should have punched him downstairs before he cashed in. Mm-hmm. Saved us all a, a terrible fall. Anyway, that was July 31st. <laughs> Update, August 2nd, uh, the accused party pled guilty in court and was ordered to pay a fine of 500 rand or serve 30 days in jail. So, all right. Wait, how much did he have to pay? 500 rand. 500 grand? <laughs> rand. Oh, rand. I think that's a unit of currency. Oh, okay. Unless that's that's, <laughs> Do you think those, uh, the, um, <laughs> their, uh, rands are, um, uh, currency that Orton deals in specifically for himself? <laughs> it's his own Bitcoin kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And um, one rand is worth, uh, I think, 50 Bob Jr. <laughs> I was going to say, 500 grand for punching Randy Orton in the dick. That's, right. that's excessive, right? I know. That'd be like uh, that's, um, about 85% of what Vince McMahon wanted to find Steve Austin. Oh, that's for true. Leaving for seven or eight months. God damn, Vince. It's like you slap on the wrist. You're cutting off my hand. <laughs> they also do that in Cape Town. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Um, I'm just looking at. But the, trying yeah. to figure out how much I think this are. is. Wor- oh yeah, is it long for or short for Krugerrands? I wonder. All right, rand to dollar. Okay. One South African rand equals point zero eight nine U.S. dollars. So that's, that does not see five hundred of them. Hmm. That's like fifty bucks. I think. <laughs> now I got to pull out my calculator. <laughs> Five, oops, what the, 500 times 0.089, $44.50. Uh, that's how much it costs. 30 days in jail, huh? Seems, uh, yeah, I'd swing that, I gotta tell you. A war on the lower class. <laughs> and it looks like a rand is a sub uh, currency of the Kruger rand, so. That's what I get for being glib. I'm super right. <laughs> all in all, Joe, I feel like this is more useful than any conversation about the curtain call was going to be at this point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I wonder if um, <laughs> it's like Colonel De Beer's kid. <laughs> or, uh, it was revenge for when they declared him dead erroneously <laughs> on .com. So he took it out on Randy Orton? Yeah. Or um, who were the fake South Africans from that WCW tournament? It was Sergeant oh, Colonel Dick Clark. Uh huh. <laughs> Holy moly! Final revenge. <laughs> goes all the way to the top <laughs> of the Pat O'Connor tournament bracket. <laughs> oh my goodness! We should probably move on, although. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beware of dog! Another show name that has not. Uh, We've had some of those podcasts. <laughs> Not a lot of reason for Beware of Dog to come back, I suppose, unless uh, Rodney Mack. Wasn't he the big... Wasn't, didn't he have a dog-style nickname? He was a red a red dog. Red dog? Okay. Beware of Dog. Okay. But he never really ascended to a headlining status, so... 
There you go. Uh, Beware of Dog was a rather infamous show. Originally from Florence, South Carolina, the only pay-per-view ever held in that state, for good reason, apparently. What happened was there was a terrible storm, and after the free-for-all in the first pay-per-view match, the power went out in the building for more than an hour. And for pay-per-view viewers, you were either told to uh, stand by or just had a blank screen, and while the power was out, they presented the matches to the live crowd with minimal lighting, so you could barely see what was happening. The power came back on, they were able to do the main event, and announced they would be doing the matches that they missed on the Tuesday replay. And they only did the replay on Tuesday because it was Memorial Day. So it was three matches from one building, uh, or actually two from one building, three more from another if you watch the show on the network. And uh, they even changed commentary teams and acknowledged the results of some of the unseen matches. So uh, some, of the, uh, some of the results were changed. So did you happen to see this show live? Did you, uh, do you have memories of this uh, blank screen? I watched um, GFBE, and I watched KOTR, and for some reason I was not watching this. Or maybe I was watching in Scramble Vision and just thought it was the Scramble Vision. <laughs> so, That's true. <laughs> not, not much difference there for the, um, the I guess, the no-screen experience. <laughs> uh, pre-show match, the Godwins defending their newly won tag titles against the Smoking Guns. Before the match, Sonny showed up and said Phineas had signed a document making her the co-manager of the tag champs. And, uh, this was the gun's return after Billy's injury, and uh, this was horrible. They wrestled for four minutes. Sonny hopped on the apron. Billy forced himself on her, and of course she liked it. Phineas is all, what the hell? Mark gives him a back suplex, pins him for the title. Awful. And uh, Billy cut a promo afterwards with some heelish tendencies. So we had... Uh, uh, Sonny would join with the Smoking Guns, making her the manager of three straight champions. A gimmick later stolen by Paul Heyman. <laughs> arguably greater effect. Yep. JBO brings that up every so often. <laughs> Are they still uh, the uh, greatest manager of all time, Kick? Or, uh... He's not a manager. He's an advocate. True. Although he... Um... Considering <laughs> the schedule of the champion works, I would <laughs> think that's pretty inarguable at this point. So Sunny wore the um, aerobics gear, and then when wasn't she like Daisy Dukes for yep. the Godwin, or was that for the Cowboys? No, um, she had like uh, yeah, I was like Daisy Dukes for, her, and I think she was, um, I guess, more cowboy gear. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, first proper match was Triple H against the Wildman Mark Merrill. It was fine. Get used to it. <laughs> Hunter worked over the arm for a while, even pulled out a cross arm breaker. And uh, later in the match, Mero did a dive and hurt his leg. Hunter was about to pedigree him when he saw Sable looking away. So he stopped, went back outside, made Sable watch the ring. When he got back in, they did the Bruce Beefcake Mr. Perfect WrestleMania 6 finish as uh, Hunter was catapulted into the turnbuckle for the win. So a bit of a losing streak uh, is about to kick off for uh, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Which Connecticut Yankee lyrics in my time correspond to this match? <laughs> Are you looking it up now? Yeah. Give us a shot. We'll give you nothing. The smart one, the easy one, the mellow one. It just brings me Yankee and King Arthur's court. <laughs> <laughs> Not helpful, although a fine, mm-hmm. a fine novel. From my mind. Um, I wonder what happened to that band. I wonder if they're still around. I wonder if they have a cut of King of Kings that will... Here on Anthology, <laughs> 2016 sometime. Well, Jim hope. Johnson's been written out in exchange for the Bree Mode people. <laughs> Excuse me. 
free moan. That's me. I'm Bree. Is that how that goes? My very my cover does. I was gonna say that's some that's jam level material. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, we kind of next had the main event of uh, HBK and the Bulldog. Before the match, Jim Cornette announced, announced that uh, Owen Hart would be the Bulldog's manager for the night. And uh, before the match, Sean was served with a summons on the charge of alienation of affection. Anyway, this should have been great, but was not. Sean was in full prima donna mode. He kept arguing with a fan. During a long headlock, I swear he just said, what the fuck? Uh, the ref got bumped. Owen tried to run in. Sean hit a crappy-looking super kick. Of course, Owen sold it like a cannonball hit him. Sean hit a back suplex on Davey. Both men's shoulders were down, and both refs counted them down, leaving it a draw. And can you imagine sitting through the show and that's the ending? Like, <laughs> I know they had rematch plans, but damn. And this was voted the worst match of the night in the Observer poll, although that was admittedly only for night one. So <laughs> it was also voted the, uh, I think, third best match overall. What a uh, yeah, just a uh, just a bad night. Okay, get right back at it though. Okay, it's like riding a bike. Yep. Why do we fall, Mister Wayne? <laughs> Batman Begins. Yeah, I've never seen Batman Begins. Oh well. Any good? You know the League of Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what if Batman was real, is a question I always wanted answered. Okay, good to know. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, we come back two nights later with uh, JR and uh, Mr. Perfect on commentary for Savio against Stone Cold in a Caribbean strap match. Not only did Savio still have to be Ted DiBiase's chauffeur if he lost, but DiBiase was so confident in his man, he said he would leave the WWF if Austin lost. Now, on the fledgling podcast, List Them and Learn... Your pal and mine, Alan Farrell, named this one of his ten favorite matches of the decade. <laughs> I would not go that far, but it actually is very good. I didn't know we shared continuity with Wisdom. Uh, I thought we all shared the same uh, universe. Cubs fan podcasting network. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, I've been pumping out the shows this year, and uh, I can't... What was the last show you did? Was it with me? Uh, it was um, September. Oh, you and him did the... No, that was a Wisdom and Learn. We did SummerSlam. You did SummerSlam, that's uh-huh. right. And uh, Ebola. That's right. And then you were on his uh, show, and yeah. you did the top ten pay-per-views of the 2000s? 2000 to present. Okay. All righty. Check uh, the RSS feed, Joe. <laughs> it's hard to keep track. Can't tell who's who anymore. You're doing podcast blurbs. You know, it's not the same as getting the old uh, audio recording equipment out. Mm. <laughs> uh, they did one of those touch every corner to win matches and they uh, beat the hell out of each other had some innovative uh, strap spots I always like the touch every corner because they say like well if your momentum gets broken it does, it stops counting and <laughs> that's a judgment so, call it does but it, it always you're always like yep momentum clearly broken there it's never like ooh controversy right uh, let's see after a pile driver DiBiase told Austin to hit a second one Savio flipped out Finished saw Savio trailing Austin to uh, both of them touching three corners. And after a battle, Savio hit the fourth to win. That was it for DiBiase, whose nine-year run in the company came to a rapid end as he would soon show up in WCW. Trillionaire, Ted. 
trillionaire debt. That's right. He was uh, was he five number five to show up because he held up. Um, he I, I remember he was in the crowd and he held up like wasn't it finger. four like it's Tony the who's it, it um eternally on the case was like Ted DiBiase shown solidarity with the four horsemen <laughs> or that group where new people from WWF came just Thursday showing up horsemen probably <laughs> I swear <laughs> I swear he was five because um I believe the giant was the um fourth member and he also well, thought a, a six finger so they're like is there a person number six out there and the guy sitting next to him in the crowd freaking out <laughs> I distinctly remember that didn't though the giant join the NWO because of Troy and Ted's Troyans or no he went to Hulk's house and saw like all the motorcycles and was like okay yeah <laughs> you can't keep track of big show turns I don't know what to say <laughs> they're pretty anyway. detailed and laid out if only booking was on point as it was in uh, the NWO era oh today. no doubt <laughs> Uh, after that, we had Vader against Yokozuna. Yoko won the original match in the dark, uh, <laughs> just to make the fans happy. A dark match. Yep. They uh, stalled for a bit, and Yoko took over working the leg, was going to win when Jim Cornette jumped on the apron. Yokozuna attacked him, was about to give him a bonsai drop, when Vader pulled Cornette away, attacked the leg, hit a Vader bomb for the win. Um, seeing Vader hobble out, it's interesting how much selling they had him do. Like, he hadn't lost yet, at least on television, and... Was usually put over strong, but he was more competitive than, say, Rusev is today. <laughs> Absolutely, because like I know the deal with the monstrous seal is that if they just beat somebody's ass and they're like a badass babyface, blah blah blah. Jim Ross. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but He's a character babyface. <laughs> In order to get there, go down, <laughs> damn it. I'm telling you the list there because you clearly can influence this. Mm, it's anyway. ironic that he's always wanting to s- slow down since any time I listen to his podcast, it's at two times speed. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's good. Like Rusev does now, he sells, but it means something because he was so untouchable that when like Jack Swagger or Big E actually like start firing back it's like could this be the day but when Vader showed up he was like already getting punked uh, by like your Shawn Michaels and stuff so he never had that aura of invincibility with anybody but those uh, piles of hay <laughs> so he was uh, he was like as much of a stooge as Cornette he was uh, yeah the Vader who fell down with coach was the same deal he was here <laughs> being made a fool of that was, yeah, God. Coach. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I remember when I saw Coach against Eugene at a house show. <laughs> Quite the encounter, let me tell you. So proud. <sighs> anyway, the main event, so to speak, was uh, Goldust against The Undertaker in a casket match. And uh, it's so funny to hear Jim Ross talk about The Undertaker realistically, like how the urn gives him a mental edge and how he has the highest threshold for pain. Like he's a tough guy and not a zombie. <laughs> Uh, Goldust controlled a lot of the match, shoved Taker in the casket twice. Undertaker came back, hit a tombstone, but now Mankind was in the casket. He put the mandible claw on Taker, shoved him in. Uh, the lid came off, but they closed it anyway, called it a match. Mankind locked the casket, all the smoke came out, and when they opened it, the Undertaker was gone, and the lights went out. Downriver show, kind of all things considered. Does um, Mankind have magic powers? How'd he end up in the casket? That was not, uh, that was not clearly established. 
Uh, I think Mankind was sort of a supernatural figure for most of his early time. He was a monster from a basement. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean he can teleport. Right. Uh, not with that attitude. Um, <laughs> teleport out of the bay. I don't know. He he was part of like that urn mythos and that whole, you know. I think I the executioner was also a character in this saga. <laughs> I don't think he had magic powers except to be terrible in the ring. Mm. Any teleport from his piano teacher that slammed the <laughs> cover on his hands? It, that happened, right? Did I make- Jimmy, <laughs> I ate the worms. <laughs> That's right. Are you calling for Jimmy Hart or uh, J- Jimmy Ross interviewing okay. him? Oh, okay. So I expected to win your panted uh, Jimmy Hart. Mm, who's that now? Jimmy Hart. Now we don't share uh, continuity with that oh. show. <laughs> oh, all right, separate universe. It's behind a paywall. <laughs> um, worth noting, the night after Nitro had its first two-hour show, and Scott Hall debuted. Yes, now we have to do a double narrative starting now because the WWF was invading WCW. <laughs> That's true. We had two front war. Mm-hmm. The Monday Night War. They took it right to Ted Turner and his <laughs> diamond mine money. <laughs> Blood diamonds he used to fund his co- fraudulent company. Yep. That's oh. where that uh, Blood Runs Cold phrase came from. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh-huh. All right, but oh. anyway, yes, 1996, changing the WWF's Monday Night Raw program, etc. Mm. I stopped watching the Monday Night War about halfway through. I think I got it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you think you got the point? Yep. Yep. I haven't watched any of them because um, it seems everything just focuses on uh, one topic a show, right? Like, here's Goldberg and what he did, and uh, here are the cruiserweights. Am I correct in this uh Goes WCW led the war. <laughs> then WWF figured it out. Prosperity returned to the land. Here's some clips from a pre-existing DVD <laughs> to a 50-minute documentary. Wouldn't they? Uh, wouldn't an actual 10-part miniseries on the war as it progressed and the comings and goings? Wouldn't that be excellent? <laughs> I think that's what everyone sort of expected when they. Showed those like writing sticker head to head thing graphics. It was like whoa, <laughs> and I was like, well, no. It just seems That's like part and parcel for every single expectation people had about the network. So, mm. I mean, some of the documentaries have been very good. The yes, Daniel Bryan, The Shield, mm-hmm. the pay per views are still there, like they promised. <laughs> <laughs> NXT specials, pay per views. Yes. So, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, we'll tell them right now we're open to negotiate to do our, our podcast on the network. I Get me a screen behind us. I'll gladly do it. Yep. I would host the show. I think I would... Uh, I would host like a... Uh, I've actually thought about this like <laughs> wrestling spotlight show where I'd sit down with a, a guest and we show matches from their career and talk about it like Steven Regal or something. <laughs> I think that'd be cool. I would do uh, hottest matches. I would uh, take tweets from the universe, and then whatever match they wanted to see, I'd roll it. Uh, I just happen to have uh, that one. <laughs> uh, if only. Uh, all right, on to late May slash June. Oh, my God, the show's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> About an hour in. Mm-hmm. 
the May 27th Raw was very strange in that it was it was half go-home show for the second Beware of Dog, but they also had to start building for the next pay-per-view, <laughs> King of the Rings. So we started with the qualifying matches. And um, a bit of a change this year, as only the semis and finals would air on the pay-per-view instead of the quarter semis and finals. So only three tournament matches on the pay-per-view versus the usual seven. Uh, how, how do we feel about this? I get why they did it. You know, you only have one match where you don't know the participants. and I don't know, but I still really like seeing the card unfold. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not know, like I thought not knowing was cool. But right. uh, changing the format four years in, probably not a good sign for the overall concept as a pay-per-view show. Yeah, I think it's, you know, similar to the Royal Rumble, a much bigger achievement to win three matches in one night. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a heel, one match in a fight of the finals quite often. But the roster depth, like... You want to book how many guys to work twice and three times? Good luck putting those brackets together. <laughs> it was um, round one, Austin versus Mero. Round two, Austin versus uh, I guess Savio. <laughs> hand, and then round three, because it has to be Jake to preserve uh, that catchphrase. Continuity. Yeah. Mm. So get Jake's for three matches of those finals, Joe. <laughs> It was, I guess, they, after they saw 1995, they probably figured some changes were in order. Right. Especially since the depth problem had only gotten worse. Right. Uh, the first qualifying match was Goldust versus the Ultimate Warrior, which makes me wonder how the seedings went. <laughs> <laughs> Goldust tried to uh, bail early, but Ahmed Johnson dragged him back to the ring for some reason. Warrior made a comeback. Goldust bails again, hides behind Marlena. This upsets Jerry Lawler greatly as he grabs the director's chair, ends up in Warrior's way as he's trying to get back into the ring. Problem was, Warrior was so blown up, it didn't seem like he could have gotten there anyway. But we got a double count out. Also set up Warrior-Lawler match for later. More on that in a bit. Uh, if you remember last year, Bulldog and Owen went to a draw in their qualifying match. They were just replaced by Luger and Yokozuna. This year, they just said, screw it, and gave the Ahmed Vader winner a bye to the semis. <laughs> uh, speaking of such, Vader and Ahmed were on the same Raw, another qualifying match. Owen was on commentary, Ahmed seemed to have the win till Owen came off the top rope and bashed him with his cast, giving Ahmed his first loss and made her trip to the semis. Ahmed was knocked out. More on that in a second. But again, another not convincing win for Vader. More on that in a second, and then repeatedly every time we talk about Ahmed Johnson for the rest of his career. <laughs> uh, I got behind, uh, behind the chains on what you're saying, but um, for all the time I've had nothing to say about Warrior uh, Gold Dust matches, isn't it, wasn't it that um, uh, Warrior and Marlena and Brian Tillman was like a love triangle in the olden times? Uh, I think Warrior had dated her first before, right. um, yeah, before, oh, that's, no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Marlena, it, it was, was Brian Tillman's oh, wife. Oh, Melanie no. Tillman, whoops. Don't drag Marlena's good name into this. Ooh. She was in the... Uh, I got crossed up because Brian Tillman won her as a, I guess, limo driver. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. Oops. Oops, indeed. She was, rele- was she released early from that contract, or did she have to serve as heirs? That for, was, um... <laughs> Jesus. Posthumous, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. No, she was um forced to uh, earn the rest of... Tillman's downside as the SmackDown general manager the next 10, 12 years. <laughs> uh, me. Jake Roberts pinned Triple H with the DDT, a very surprising result at the time, since uh, Hunter had to have been one of the favorites. 
Dave Meltzer conceded it was due to the curtain call, since Triple H was the only one they could really punish. Uh, Bradshaw beat Henry Godwin on Superstars in a match with a bit more action than you would expect. And uh, Jake beat Bradshaw to go to the semis, rather surprisingly. I'm not even paying attention to these brackets, because nothing good is going to come up. Austin beat Bob Holly on Raw in a very dull match in his first post-DiBiase outing. Savio Vega beat Mario Gennetti, so we are back to Austin and Vega. Uh, if you can find this match, it's actually very good, very fast-paced. Austin won with a, deb- a debuting move he called the Stone Cold Stunner, or what a maneuver if you're Vince. <laughs> but to be fair, it was the first time he had seen it, and uh, Austin hadn't really added the kick yet. He just kind of ran up to the guy and did the move. Nor, so. nor the wham. No, no wham. No kick. What's the wham? Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> when he grabs him? I guess. Seems like the wham is, in fact, the stunner, but... Yeah, it should be kick, stunner, wham. <laughs> Tweet him. <laughs> Could use some content for those guests this episode. <laughs> oh. What's the wham? I'll send it to uh, Teddy Fowler. He's next, Steve. He looks asking... Did you listen to him asking Austin questions? Absolutely. Likely no. Absolutely. No. It's very it's the most rudimentary. You would think, oh, they're talking wrestling, okay, but it's so rudimentary. Like, did you ever get into? Did you ever try to hurt someone in the ring, or did you, did you ever get into a fight? And it was just no. It was just no good. Uh, Mark Merrow beat Skip in the opening round. How did they decide which of these? Uh, <laughs> why did Skip get a shot, and not Zip per se, and Marty, and not uh, Lance Cassidy? Uh, that's his name. That's his name, right? Yeah, Leaf. Leaf. Leaf Cassidy. That was it. Lance Cassidy was someone else. That was like Smothers. Yeah. No. Scar Armstrong, maybe. Steve Armstrong. Well, I think it was one of the Armstrongs. Yes. Anyway, uh, Owen Hart beat Yokozuna, who then gave a speech about doing things himself and left to try to lose weight for the last time. And uh, Mero then beat Owen in a shockingly dull match. So our final four were Jake, Vader, Austin, and Mero. Reliable winners there, I guess. Mm. Did you have uh, thoughts at the time, or did you think? I thought, right? yes, precisely. Sure, Austin was thinking the same thing, though, based on his (laughs) reminiscences of the period. Let's see. As for other matches, a title rematch was announced, naturally, at the... uh, Pay-per-view, they'd served Michaels with that lawsuit for alienation of affection, but that quickly got dropped the next night. What happened was uh, Smith gave his notice the night after the pay-per-view, not that he was expected to leave, just as a way to renegotiate and get Vince's attention. The Observer was mixed in whether the angle had anything to do with it, since they were under the assumption that in the end it would be revealed that Diana was the one who came on to Sean, who rebuked her. This is her revenge. Mm-hmm. That seems to, That sounds good. Don't know. But anyway, they had an angle where uh, Clarence Mason had video of Gorilla bumping into him, which he was going to file an assault charge, but dropped it in exchange for picking a special referee, which is highly dirty pool. That's some Goodell shit right there. <laughs> That's me. That referee was, in fact, Mr. Perfect, who had been scouting Sean in the prior weeks and bumped into him at the last pay-per-view. So. The Diana thing is also one of the subplots of like the ongoing escalation of Brett's exasperation with both his family and the company. Who's like, yeah, Sister Diana wants to do this angle where she molests Shawn Michaels. And like, <laughs> can you not do that? <laughs> well, let me ask this. So Diana Hartsmith, um, you know, 
a believable source if there ever was one, says they were pretty close to a major motion picture starring Pamela Anderson Lee uh, playing her in her biography, a biopic. Really? Yeah. So who would have played Pamela Anderson the year before when she was in WrestleMania? <laughs> would she be double-billed in some trip? The parent trap shenanigans yeah. uh, here. Nicole Eggert or somebody in stunt casting. Oh. Yasmin Bleak. Didn't, didn't Diana's book not get released because people realized it was bullshit and they didn't bother to release Co- correct. it? Correct. Or it was just so like, this is going to be made into a movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, directed by Man Mountain Rock. Let's <laughs> <laughs> check his IMDb. <laughs> But, yeah. So, I mean, Diana, as Diana, would have been like, oh, I don't know, Davy, these uh, blue twins. <laughs> Davy and Goliath. Wait, the challenge. So, yeah, yes, that's why it's like a Canadian accent. God. <laughs> and Diana at SummerSlam 92 certainly showed herself to be, like, an extremely charismatic performer. So, Without a doubt, always good times. And, uh, anyway, so... um. If you remember, Ahmed Johnson was knocked out when he lost his first match on Raw. As he's being <laughs> stretched out, Goldust <laughs> stopped the medics and gave him mouth-to-mouth, which did indeed revive him. Ahmed went ballistic backstage, and uh, we had a match. And Goldust cut promos calling him the Mighty Man Dingo and saying he wanted his chocolate in his mouth. Yuck. Dubious <clears throat> uh, taste. Goldust is still around today. <laughs> and isn't it, yeah, like, what if you could put, like, the great, clear-headed, working Goldust of 2002 and then a large gap and then, uh, like, the last year or so with the main event heel Goldust of that year? Now we're talking. Yeah, now he's just weird. <laughs> he's just an eccentric Goldust. Yep. I don't even know if he likes cinema. <laughs> well, he made that movie. The, he made his own version of The Scorpion King. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Good times. Um, now, the Ultimate Warrior blamed Jerry Lawler for preventing him from becoming King of the Rings, so we had that match at the pay-per-view. Warrior's comic book was coming out at the time, so we had something of a comic book war as Lawler <laughs> put down the art and uh, drew a picture of himself beating up the Warrior. I guess he thought better of this because on Raw, he said he had a peace offering for the Warrior, which is a framed portrait Lawler drew himself. You would expect an angle out of this, but you really expected it when Warrior came out wearing a baseball cap for no reason. <laughs> it was very odd. I don't know. Maybe he was the redshirting at Warrior <laughs> University. <laughs> anyway, Warrior told Lawler he was going to... Uh, I guess he was afraid of getting cut by the glass, which wasn't real, by the way. And um, Anyway, Warrior told Lawler he was going to kick his ass. Lawler broke the painting cardboard first on the Warrior, who no-sold it. Lawler ran away. Warrior gave chase, but then Lawler later returned for commentary. So I don't know what happened to the Warrior. Did he just give up? Did he just get confused? <laughs> As a rib on the listeners, like we're talking about a program between Jerry Lawler... One of, like, the greatest rushers of all time. And also the warrior, who for a time was, like, a superstar. Let's pretend this was, like, a legendary feud, and it was awesome. <laughs> Let's just tell them, these idiots, that. It was great. You know, Warrior's comic book was the best-selling of all time, apparently. Mm. Didn't, yeah, that's how big this was. <laughs> it was, um... Yeah, they turned it into that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. <laughs> 
Mankind and The Undertaker were finally going to have a match. Uh, Mankind held Undertaker's foot, caused him to lose a match to Davey Boy Smith by countout, and then laid him out again, and this was getting pretty lopsided so far. You, you kind of get the sense, like, this is going to uh, end badly for Mr. Mankind, but... Uh, if I know the phenom, the conscience of the World Wrestling Federation... Seems like Tombstone's Ahoy coming for this creature of the month. <laughs> uh, Sonny had moved from the Godwins to the Guns after their title win, making her a manager of three straight champions previously mentioned. Sonny, the single person who cared about the tag title. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that got her a lot. I would really like even... She had the, it, you have the extra money to buy new meals when someone took a dump in her nerves, so. Oh, heavens. Sonny and, like, uh, Janis Joplin shades and tie-dye is a new rockerette. They never got around to that one. No, that's too bad. Of all the teams they had, they were like, you know who shouldn't be champions? <laughs> Marty, Janetti, and Al Snow. <laughs> I guess uh, Marty was not quite the same, Marty Janetti, but still. Still. Anyway, the uh, Godwins got a rematch for the next pay-per-view. As for the dumped body Donnas, they announced the manager search that would go very poorly. <laughs> Uh, Brian Pillman signed with the company, gave a very tearful press conference. More on him in a bit. Do you, uh, remember the, uh, when Triple H did the pedigree to Marty Garner? He landed right on top of his head. I'm sure you've seen it in GIF or GIF form on the internet. First of all, that move should clearly be banned, because, um, too many injuries. And, uh, <laughs> second, this is used for the Sega Saturn Slam of the Week, so... <laughs> Also uh, worth noting now, both Razor and Diesel debuted in WCW under their real names of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, respectively. And uh, they were about to powerbomb uh, Eric Bischoff through a table. Mm. But anyway, the Godwins. <laughs> Back to the Godwins. Uh, all right, on to King of the Ring. Do you remember the weird ad they did for this? <laughs> Jerry Lawler, he's eating a big plate of chicken in his palace, I guess. And Go on. Two kids ask him for some food. He says, beat it, brats, and then promptly chokes to death. <laughs> wakes, he wakes up in a brightly lit white ring, decides he is in heaven. Then he gets smacked with a guitar, surrounded by Elvis, a shrunken King Kong, Don King, who wasn't dead yet, and uh, King Tut, who all attack him. He asks, where am I? We get this terrifying close-up of the devil, who sort of looks like Vince, but I don't think it's him. <laughs> it was very odd. This sounds the, uh, more delirious than my Vader in a barn fever <laughs> Do you think the, that's uh, what Jerry saw in Montreal when his heart stopped? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the Air National Incident ad featured an alien abduction, but that is a story for another day. Probably in June. Can we exclusively call it in your international house of pancakes? And stuff? <laughs> Fine. Yay. Oh, my goodness. The uh, Body Donna's debuted their new manager <laughs> on the pre-show. Cloudy was a man dressed like Sonny, who I guess was depressed, because uh, I sure was watching this. Um, Cloudy kissed Al Snow, and they lost. And let's just move on. This was... Um, <laughs> Never mind that NWO thing. <laughs> Cloudy. Uh, sure. Now, was Cloudy the same transvestite who gave uh, Mark Henry uh, oral sex on GTV? <laughs> Um, not certain. Can't say. I don't think so. Yeah. I think that transvestite looked a lot better. That was Sammy. Yes, it was. Yeah. 
All right, King of the Ring from Milwaukee. They had this goofy crown hanging above the ring and two court jesters who had opened doors. Anyway, commentary was done by uh, Vince J.R. and Owen Hart. And um, Owen Hart was actually, I actually thought he did a real good job here. And he had some good lines, like when he called Sable a hose bag. Although, uh, he would go quiet for a lengthy period of time. <laughs> no Art Donovan this was, so uh, we can all be thankful for that. Sure. All right, starting us out in the semis, Stone Cold Steve Austin against Mark Merrow. I don't remember specific matches between the two in WCW, but they were both there for so long, they must have crossed paths at some point. Mm. Uh, this was a very good match, although the main crowd chant was for Sable, and um, Austin got the win with the uh, the stunner, and Austin's mouth got busted open. Story was he went to the hospital, got stitched up, but according to the Observer, they just did it in the back, which is <laughs> not as romantic as uh, leaving to go to the hospital. Mm. Oh, well. Still got that exterior shot of the ambulance just to <laughs> put that in it's uh-huh. fine uh, Vader versus Jake Roberts Jake was a bit taller than Vader which uh, surprised me but Vader jumped Roberts he wrestled for a few minutes Jake hit the DDT Vader grabbed the ref on the way down for the DQ lame but it's uh, what you uh, had to do given where they wanted to go and Vader attacked Jake post-match for his ribs with a Vader bomb and do you think uh, think this was another this hurt Vader, or given the steps they took with him afterwards, it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, he had, like, big big individual angles, and I suppose he did pinch on it. I-Y-I-H-P-I. Uh, clean, but still, compare this to, like, the uh, monster push Mabel got before he headlined SummerSlam. <laughs> That's true. Uh-huh. Uh, next, we had the tag title match of the Godwins versus the Guns, and, um... Gosh, it's also terrible. It's a bit more anjack than you'd think, but the crowd didn't care. They chanted for Sonny. Bart had finished with a boot for the win. Let's move on. Sean um, and uh, Billy Gunn have, like, a hot TV match pretty soon. I remember watching that on Raw being like, Sean Michaels is good and fast at wrestling. Do you remember this uh, some 18 years after the fact? or uh, I do, yes. It's vivid. Okay. It's him you, haven't, you haven't revisited it? or No. Interesting. Sliding wow. all around, baseball slides ahoy, doing some, uh, I think he's really getting Sonny's goats. Oh, color me intrigued. Okay. All right, Ultimate Warrior versus Jerry Lawler. An epic match. Okay. Um, Lawler did a bit insulting the crowd as he made his way down to the ring. He choked Warrior for a few minutes, hit a pile driver, but Warrior warriored up, hit a shoulder block for the quick win. Warrior had a uh, shoulder injury, so they didn't want him doing the gorilla press, but I don't know why he didn't do the splash. And uh, Warrior went up to the podium post-match, inspected the crown, and Vince gave his big Vince laugh, but I kind of bet he was super pissed inside. (laughs) He's going for that brass ring. (laughs) Uh, Mankind versus The Undertaker. They went a a long time, but too long at 18 minutes. The parts where they brawled outside with the bigger bumps worked a lot better than the uh, straight in-ring segments, but the sure shots to the head take on a bit of a different connotation today. Uh, Mankind stole the iron from Paul Bear and was going to use it. Paul Bear snatched it back. Bear tried to hit Mankind, but he hit Undertaker instead. Mankind got the mandible claw for the uh, more or less clean win. And um, you know, for all the talk about how Jim Ross really had to convince you know Vince to bring in uh, Mick Foley, they really put him over strong. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was like okay, cool. He had the Undertaker's number. How many? Kamala's, Mr. Hughes's, Gonzalez, comma, Giants. 
twin Undertakers? None of them. Usually they all went down pretty rapidly. Yeah. Some could be tombstoned. The ones who couldn't, I guess, joke. Just got clotheslined. Yeah, flying clothesline. There you go. That was um, your Bundys and Maples. Yes. Commas. IRS. Oh, you're saying people who got clotheslined, not yes. people who fell to uh, the power of the urn. No, I was going to say. I Let's name them all in succession. So, oh, man. <laughs> Jimmy Snuka, no. Um. Uh, okay. Okay, Goldust versus Ahmed. Yeah, but yeah, what if, like, Berserker just, like, bumped Undertaker with his sword, the flat part, and then pinned him? That's <laughs> 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 kind of where we were. But, uh... He was not. When did he? When did they start calling him the Phenom when he turned face? I feel like it coincided with his purple face. Oh, okay. Stand over the opera face. Yeah. Fair enough. Alrighty. Um, Goldust versus Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed beat him up to start and tried to dive and almost landed on his head. Goldust took over, slowed it down a bit. Match was pretty long at 15 minutes. Goldust worked the sleeper. Ahmed's arm accidentally dropped three times, but they just kept going anyway. He, uh, Goldust hit a pile driver, tried CPR again, but Ahmed heterode up, hit the Pearl River Plunge, won the IC title, the undisputable high point of Ahmed's career. Yep. <laughs> that, I mean, it was literally all downhill from here. You're going downhill. That was the thing he said. Yeah. I'm to the to nation of domination. <laughs> Who, in light of current events, pretty much had a point. <laughs> you know who I feel bad for is R-Truth. Like, you could get invited to play. <laughs> Why is he not in the New Day? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's a fair question. Because <laughs> he's bros with Kofi, former tag team champions, R-Boom, and he brought Xavier Woods <laughs> to two companies. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Wouldn't wouldn't ingrate. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Oh man. I would put, do you think little Jimmy is black? Um I never really assigned him a color, so That's cool. <laughs> what do you think? I think he's post racial. Oh, okay. Probably for the best. Yeah. Uh apropos of nothing, I found this quote on Ahmed's Wikipedia. Okay. In late 1999, Norris signed a contract with World Championship Wrestling and debuted it sold out as a heel named Big T. He gained a massive amount of weight at the time and was aptly named. <laughs> um, Come on, Wikipedia. Like right? That's, <laughs> that's kind of... Editorialized. judge there. For sure. Uh, Brian Pillman came out and talked about Jeffrey Dahmer and said he was going to rape and pillage the company. <laughs> Pillman may have been a couple of years early. In the, uh, uh, he uh, passed Stone Cold on the way to the back and uh, they never acknowledged the pair's prior history, although that would uh, that would come up later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alright, King of the Ring finals. Stone Cold versus Jake Roberts. Here we go. Austin uh, beat him up for a while. Gorilla Monsoon came out to stop the match. Jake told him no, made a comeback. He went for the DDT, but Austin blocked it, hit the stunner to win the tournament. I'll let the Observer sum it up. Austin got the pin with the Stone Cold Stunner and did a strong po- post-match interview, knocking Robert's religion and drinking problems. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sums it up. You know, people say, like, oh, man, you know, Triple H got in trouble. Austin won the tournament. That's such a crazy twist of fate. But what are the odds Jake Roberts makes a comeback and ends up in the finals against Austin? That seems 
more remote to me. Yeah, like, Quantum Leap fan fiction writers are like, what if time completely changed? What if people actually won this? Then, like, people's charisma and general openness would have never played out exactly the same way between Steve Austin and Triple H over the next three years. But the 316 thing and the appearance of those signs and the eventual marketing phenomenon, that's a real comet shooting in the night. Like, look at this whole period of, like, how the most <laughs> lucrative and beloved uh, romanticized chain of events in wrestling history was completely made up as they went along, so... Made up through cra- a crazy amount of circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's almost scary in a way. <laughs> like, yep. Uh, well, this happened, so it's like, choose your own adventure. <laughs> like, these things happen. Boom period. These don't <laughs> happen. Maybe lesser boom period. Yeah. But I, your point's valid that, um, you know, you know, it's not like Austin would have been relegated to the mid-card. Yeah. But still, you know, given that little spark that he just made up, all these circumstances coming together, it's uh, it's pretty nice to think about. I'd say so. The marks, suits, McMahon. <laughs> give them a shot. We'll give you nothing. <laughs> the smart one, the easy one, the mellow one. What, um... Now, Austin did not receive a world title shot at SummerSlam. <laughs> he barely made the show. But um, You know what? It seems like him and Sean's best matches were on the house shows. Snug, super kick, etc., etc. Austin looking up at the lights. That was his finishing move <laughs> that first year. All right. Main event time. British Bulldog versus Shawn Michaels. Um, all throughout the show, there had been hints of Mr. Perfect favoring the Bulldog. Like he was changing in the Camp Cornet locker room, things like that. So everyone's in the ring. Gorilla comes out again, says Mr. Perfect will be the outside referee. Earl Hebner will handle the inside action, which was um, sort of underhanded. Like, they dropped a lawsuit to get this. And he's just like, <laughs> nope. Not going to do it. So uh, we have the match. It's a lot better than the, the last one. So they had 26 minutes to work. thought they did a great job, very well paced. Lots of action. Jumping to the finish, uh... Hebner got bumped accidentally, but Sean just kept wrestling pretty wisely, hit the elbow and super kick, and then Mr. Perfect jumped in the ring. But Hebner already was back up, and they're both counting together, and Owen pulls out Mr. Perfect. Like, why aren't you pulling out Earl Hebner? Right. <laughs> in theory, Mr. Perfect wouldn't count the pin, but Earl Hebner would. Anyway, Sean wins, and uh, Owen and the Bulldog attack Sean after the match. Ahmed comes out to even up the odds. Feeder comes out to uneven the odds. Warrior runs in and cleans house. We might just have a main event for July. Or the next night on Raw, if it was contemporary times. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, pro- I mean, do you think the uh, match we saw on Monday's Raw <laughs> would have been held off for uh, yeah. next in your house? Um, many times, yeah. Talking about, oh my god, I was just testing myself to see if I could remember everyone in it. It was uh, John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, and not Eric Rowan. Wait. Ryback. Against. There you go. People who have remained friends after graduation, which is kind of a <laughs> touching story. Like, who do Joe and Mercury and Jamie Noble work for now? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess they're just Seth by um, association, mm-hmm. I suppose. But it was uh, Luke Harper, um, Seth, and... Uh, the Big Show. Big Show, Okay. I have to say, Luke Harper's Titantron is terrifying. I don't like it. The eyes well, have it. The eyes show up on the screen? <laughs> don't like that. Do not want. 
Um, I think when he said, I'm a team player, it was E-Y-E. <laughs> no, that's sure not really a joke. It had the cadence of a joke. It doesn't really make sense. But I said it because it came into my head. Yeah, I bet they're going to have some terrible merchandise for him uh, coming up. You know, as Rimbaud said, I am another. Okay. The great poet of the 13th century. I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Quote that's the genius. <laughs> so that's uh, 96 part two. Um, oh, you know, shit, I mean, really? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's our uh, that's months and months of work for. Oh my god, I haven't done a job this half-assed since uh, Josh Nason's. I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, the shows weren't the shows weren't all that. I, I actually liked the television after WrestleMania. I thought, even post Brad, I thought they were doing you know, like you know pretty fun breezy shows. But um, when you look at what WCW was doing and about to do with you know bringing in Hall and Nash, the Hogan heel turn, the Luchadors live for two hours. I mean, the WF just did not look good in comparison. It was only going to get worse. Exactly. Yeah. Was, like tonally, it's definitely like the transition from what we've been talking about for the last two years to like the stuff everyone likes, but, like, business-wise and, like, the actual uh, product that was produced, no. Mm. You have the signs of things to come, uh, but, you know, uh, think of, like, cool things that sort of bubble up over time in the last five, ten years and how they don't really lead to anything. It's not that uh, different from the signs then. Yeah, it was just, you know... I appreciated one hour Roz, but um, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, you watch the shows and they don't look that different from shows from 1990 and the way they're filmed and whatnot. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, things had to change. But they did. Q Russo WCW Titan Tron. <laughs> the YouTube URL for that is <laughs> B question mark equals LMN60H46LMN. But um yeah that's uh that's part 2 for 1996 and oh uh God. we will return for um the third quarter which is going to have uh some uh very interesting going to entail SummerSlam and also the Mind Games pay-per-view which uh has some good things on it but I would say your homework for this quarter <laughs> go watch Diesel versus Sean on the network uh go watch the strap match from uh Beware of Dog and Mero and Austin Probably the finals of King of the Ring. It's short and uh, a little historical, and I'd say the main event. And uh, you're good. Sean Bulldog. Yep. Yeah, watch Sean Bulldog, and uh, you'll be good. Where are we at on the Sean main event streaks? I'm going to give him a mulligan on Beware of Dog. So, yep. Owen, four-star match. Brett, I mean, I'm going to give him the gentleman's four stars, even though sure. he annoys the shit out of people. Diesel, Bulldog, and counting. So, we'll catch up on yeah. that next time. Are we going to include the uh, six-man match from uh, International Incident? Um, I think it neither hurts nor I, I think it was good, but we'll, uh, that involves other parties. Yes. Who we will get to next time. All right, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, 90 minutes and uh, a lot of Randy Orton getting punched in the nads. So, uh Definitely, as considering one of these pay-per-views of the three was like disastrous mess 
really feels like we covered next to nothing. Yeah, there was just, um, I mean, noteworthy things, but I don't know. It's just kind of just what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And I am being told CM Punk, uh, I was mistaken. He was actually on uh, Cold Cabana's podcast again. Oh. And, uh, ours, which is where I got confused. Okay. Well, you never know. Oops. What can be done? Yeah. I wonder if that's coming up. I actually never got a chance to listen to that on my downcast because it just would never download. Even on Friday, I just gave up and found a link for it and uh, downloaded it that way. Yep. I I don't even know where this next one's going to come from because now this is a very limited conversation that will be like applicable for the next three. This hours. is not evergreen, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, oh so, hey, speaking of uh, current events, evergreen. Do you think? And now you're you're in the New England area, so he he sure. has a connection to you. Should the Rock and Roll Express make it into the uh, being voted into the Hall of Fame? After all this time, is that the incentive Mitt Romney needs to run again for president? <laughs> uh, like, what if he declared, like, if I don't get 10% of the national... <laughs> then I'm out. Yeah, I'll, I'm done. I think that's what's pertained to everyone in the United States. <laughs> Not just us in New England. Yeah. But I do have more history with the man than most. Right. Um, Romney care? <laughs> That's something. It is a thing. That's what I read on the Huffington Post. <laughs> All right. Do you have any uh, plugs? When are we getting the next uh, Shapiro show here? Um. Guess nobody went to Survivor Series. <laughs> Sorry, I did my I did my part last year. Yeah. Uh, let's set something up for that WrestleMania that's coming to Boston in the next yeah, few years. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still not buying that. I got to tell you. I'm, I just don't know where it's going to be. As I said, uh, Gillette Stadium has anyway. the right. I, I, you know, that's actually possible. I mean, that's only forty thousand seat capacity. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, it's great, sounds great. You know, probably will look great, but uh, I don't know. Is that uh, do you want? First, you're running outside New England in uh, late March, early April. You're taking your chances. Yeah. And second of all, you know, why run there when you can find an indoor stadium with probably double that capacity? Well, think of all the stuff you can do with the Green Monster. Like, you can do Ryback versus Triple H. You can do Ryback versus someone else. (laughs) Yeah. Take that. Nailed it. Seemingly awesome dude and, like, everything he's done out of the ring. God. Like, I'd like to be mad at Ryback based on the remarks made by one Philip Brooks, but uh, did you see the video he did when he went in for surgery? Hmm. So, yeah, clean slate. Yeah, but, I mean, unless they do it at the TD Garden, but that's only 19000 I don't think we're back to that. Hmm. So, believe me, I would love nothing more than this. I, But uh, I guess I guess Fenway Park would be the uh, – because Judd Stadium is like 20 miles outside of Boston. It's in freaking Foxborough. No one wants to announce being from there. You can't really have anything connected to it. So yes. I don't know. But, hey, I hope so. Well, they'll just use that trick of, like, New York, New Jersey area, Bay Area, yeah. <laughs> Northeastern United States. Would you uh, venture to uh, Boston if Mania was there? It's good. as close as it's going to get for you. Um, they turn around Philadelphia like that's plausible, too. That's true. That was also on the, um, I think San Francisco beat it out. 
Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, let's book it. We'll do a live podcast. Oh, I would love to do a live podcast, but... Part of Access. I'm sure Matt Foyle come up here, too. What a party. Woo! Indeed. All right. So, uh... Well, the yeah. December shows, we usually, that's when we say, hey, guys, headlock on hunger, <laughs> uh, Bruce Cruz donations to the um, uh, uh, March of Times. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yesterday was Giving Tuesday, so uh, we did miss out on that. But so be it. The day we recorded this, Giving Tuesday. <laughs> oh, wait, no, none of the timeline adds up. Oh, well. Nope. Oops, exposed. Yeah, worth the... Now, this is a personal question. Did your son like Frozen, the film? Uh, he has seen it and enjoyed it. He's not, um, you know, super enamored of it as other kids are. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Likes it fine. Has uh, the soundtrack. Oh, cool. So, I have a, yeah. the, maybe you can't help me, but, like, I know two um, three-year-old twin boys who were born slightly prematurely. They were part mm-hmm. of, like, an ad campaign here in the Pittsburgh area. Maybe you've seen them. Not you, Joe. And so they have just gone into Frozen, and uh, which I think is very uh, gender progressive because they're big mm-hmm. fans of uh, whoever the girl is who's not Kristen Bell. I've not seen it myself, but anyway, so they like it, and like they have that little child thing of like reciting fragments of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So they keep wanting me to do Frozen with them. And so they've repeatedly said to me uh, this one afternoon, they were like, Okay, so you be, um, we're both collectively Anna, and you're the other one, uh, so, and action. And then they go, uh, uh, something like, or maybe it's Elsa anyway, they're like, no, Anna, no sisters, no husbands, no anything, door slam. And then they look at me to say the next line, and I'm like, uh... Everything um, here sure is frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Adolf <laughs> maybe a thing, and uh, no, it, it's not. Of course, you, the snowman. Uh, Olaf the snowman. Sure. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so if anyone knows the next line, tell me, and you'll uh, really get me through that <laughs> two minutes of conversation with small children. Okay. You know, worth noting, we um, have not had audio problems on this outing. Holy that crap. plagued us on the last one. I feel confident saying that now. Because things go awry, then so be it. But, um... <laughs> nope, sounding good. Awesome. Don't know what happened. I have the safety, too, just in case. Mm-hmm. Of course, the basement tapes, uh, were just... <laughs> oh. Maybe we need to put some of those out. You know, like, uh... Just the one... The, sh- the shows we've done that I taped on my iPhone. Like... Dylan's sleeve hitting the uh, <laughs> guitar strings, you can hear. He grazed yeah. the keyboard on occasion on the high five versions. But um, Are you going to be appearing on uh, the Alan Farrell uh, Christmas uh, extravaganza? Uh, I've heard, and now we don't share continuity with that, and it's behind yes. the paywall, but uh, there are rumors abound that we may be <laughs> covering a popular film that was uh, the... the Source of some controversy between the parties, Paul Levesque, CM Punk, and Randy Orton. So oh. That may be coming up. Well. Maybe uh, you might see that around. <laughs> Two? Some also? Around. Yeah. <laughs> up, well. Upwards of a dozen round. Interesting. So is this 12 rounds 
um, is that the third one? Because they did 12, round, 12 rounds reloaded, right? And then is he shooting 12 rounds reloaded too? I thought this was 12 rounds reloaded, the 13th round. No, oh. but I, I'm not up on the continuity there. So we did we handled our those franchises in '06, and we never looked back. Okay then. All right. Oh, no, we did the Marine. Oops. Oh well. We did. Yeah, you did 12 rounds with Derek Bergen. I want to say. Right. Yep. Okay. The Bergs. The Berg. Uh, I will also be making an appearance as planned on the Christmas show in a super secret project. So. <laughs> But you just got me to spill the beans. I did. You're in a super secret project? Yep. Okay. Well. Something, yeah. I'd hate to speculate. Will there be, are you going to list the uh, top 100 podcast episodes of the year? Uh, no. Excluding ours? Oh. Ten? I'm doing the top ten, but uh, only for the shows I usually cover. I would not uh, include other episodes. I understand. I think I could do that. Here's my list off the top of my head. Right. Punk show, Vince show, um, I mean, that Seth Rollins one was good. There were a lot. Any Paul Heyman appearance on right. the oh, yeah, yeah, shows yeah. were very good. Um, Jericho has had some uh, excellent ones. I remember even stuff like the Bischoff show on Steve Austin. I thought he was a snake oil salesman, but very <laughs> listened. I think that literally is the name of his, like... Wyoming <laughs> snake oil. Snake oil. You know, the sad thing now did did uh, Bischoff has been such like a debonair man, whether it's the uh, jet black dye job or the silver fox. And the thing that uh, gave me the most pause was that either he had uh, a chewing tobacco dip in the whole time, or he just had like little jowly sound of a fat-cheeked man, so I'd hate to know what, like, Eric Bischoff has become fat Eric Bischoff. <laughs> a question for another time. All right. I All right. we were still recording. Anyway, yeah, okay. bye, everybody. Well, <laughs> Donate to the March of Dimes. I appreciate you uh, being on, Justin. I hope you have a pleasant remainder of 2014 and a happy Hanukkah. Thank you. And, uh... Happy holidays to everyone out there, whatever you happen to celebrate. We'll be back, I don't know, at some point with uh, the remainder of 1996. We're approaching uh, nine years on the uh, – I'll try to do it for our, uh, the ninth anniversary of the show, which would be April, I think. Seems right. And then um, God, the tenth anniversary will be here before you know it. 4 15 Yeah, I'll do something uh, – I'm sort of thinking about that tenth anniversary show. That's pretty bonkers. Whoa. Can't wait to cover um, In Your House, It's Time. <laughs> That's I'll do something special for that. I wonder if I get Dave Meltzer on the show. Hmm. What do you think? Would he be a get? Somewhat attainable. We'll get see. him to really break down that uh, timeline of just when Vince McMahon <laughs> would or would not know when uh, women's fighting was coming to the Because <laughs> that, to me, was the focal point and most important takeaway of that whole conversation. I felt so, too. All right. Anything else? Um, Nope. Okay. That's going to do it. So thanks, everyone, for listening. 